Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour, that's 3 p.m. They went to church at 3 p.m. Hey, man. And verse number two, and a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fashioning his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. Verse 5, And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Verse number 6, Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood, walked, and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Verse number 9, And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. They were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as a lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's great wonder. And Father, we love you today and pray you'd help us to preach in the power of the Holy Ghost. Give us liberty, Lord. Help us to preach nothing more, nothing less than what you'd have us to preach. I know I stand where no man can help me but you. We pray you breathe on the words so that the word of God is alive. Powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even, dividing asunder soul and spirit and joints and marriage, the discerner of the thoughts and intents of our hearts. And even now as we read the Word of God, the thoughts were being read by the Word. The intentions of our heart were being read. Lord, it was piercing even, dividing asunder soul and spirit down in the physical part of our body. And we pray that the Word of God would go forth in power. You said faith coming by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Lord, thank God for sound doctrine, for sound faith, as Brother Frank talked about this morning. Help us have the sound speech. Help everything that goes on today magnify your name. You're worthy of praise. And God, we bow before you and say, God, if anything gets done, it'll be done through and by your strength. Lord, we uh, stand incapable in and of ourselves. Though we have no talents, we have no gifts in of ourselves, but Lord, that we've been called with a calling before the foundation of the world. And pray, Lord, that same grace, God, that you called us, we pray, God, that we'd fulfill the calling for which you have for us tonight. We pray, God, that your will would be accomplished, your word will go forth, and the worship would take place. And we'll thank you for what you do in Jesus' name, we pray. And we'll thank you, Lord, and give you glory. Amen. You can be seated. If the Lord would help me for a little while uh, tonight, I want to preach on this thought, who will be holding on to you? I, I, I've, I have in the past, I, th I thank God for this chapter, uh, on the side of my chapter here in chapter number three, I got written out beside of it, cartwheels for the crippled. <laughs> Amen. I love this chapter in Acts chapter number 3. We just preached in Acts chapter number 2. The Lord is adding to the church daily such as should be saved. <coughs> 3,000 people had gotten saved in Acts chapter number 2. God was doing multitude and miracles and things were being take, taking place. Men and women were being saved. Boys and girls were being added to the church. 
Fear came upon everybody in the community and signs and wonders were done by the apostles according to Acts chapter 2 and verse number 43. And then in chapter number 3, we start the chapter out saying now. Now after God had set the church on fire. Now after men had been convicted, men had been converted. Now God, men have become compassionate in their giving. Men have continued steadfastly in the doctrine began to grow. Men have been conscripted and put down in the role. Now God is saying, now I'm going to take this pressing situation. I said this morning, I'm going to take a praying congregation. I'm going to have a powerful demonstration of the move of God in Acts chapter number 3. In one man's life, this crippled man and God is going to do a miracle. I'm glad God will do things in multitudes and, and save and build a congregation. But I'm glad he's a personal Savior and he'll get down in our seat and down in our life. He'll do a miracle even individually. I want us to notice just uh, three or four things in this chapter. Notice with me, number one, the companions, the companions of our chapter. And Bible says, now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. At 3 p.m. in the afternoon, Peter and John are going up to the temple. We call them the companions of our chapter. We'll notice in the text they are not competitors in our chapter. They're not in a competition. They're not complacent in our chapter. They're still going up to the house of God when it's time to pray. It'd been easy, Brother Frank, after 3,000 people got saved just to get a little bit complacent. It'd been easy after God had moved in such mighty things and started adding to the church for this crowd to get complacent, but they were not competitors. They were not complacent. In fact, there are some similarities about these two men. These two men, both of them had a brother among the twelve. They were one of the twelve, but each one of these had a brother among the twelve. Peter had Andrew, John had James. <clears throat> they were both fishermen in the past. They were fishermen by trade, and now they were fishermen by the grace of God, fishing for men by the grace of God. You remember they had went on the Mount of Transfiguration together. They had saw things that some of the other ones hadn't saw. Peter, James, and John had saw the glory break out. So there are some similarities with these men. They ran together to the sepulcher. You remember that? <coughs> Mary comes back from the sepulcher. The Lord spoke to Mary. She comes back and said, he is risen. He's not there. Peter and John's the one that ran together. So they had fished in the past together. They each had a brother together. They had been on the Mount of Transfiguration together and they had ran into the empty tomb of the risen Savior together. These men were companions in the ministry. They were not competitors and that's the way we ought to be. Our fellow churches and preachers, we're not competitors. We are to be companions in the work of God. I talked to a preacher yesterday. He's pastoring my home church. Brother Joshua talked to me yesterday. Man, I'm glad we're in this work together. Amen. We're not competitors, uh, but we're not to get complacent. I'm glad we can have some companions. But I want you to notice something about these men. They were opposites. Their, their temporal, their, their mental character was different. John was always the one snuggled up on the breast of the Lord. Peter was always the one stepping out. 
he stepped out on the boat. He always stepped out on his tongue. He was always the one speaking. Peter was kind of like the speaker of the house of the disciples. And John was the one that, that he testifies that I'm the one the Lord loved. Both of these men, they had some opposites, but they didn't let, well, they didn't let their difference in character keep them from serving Christ together. Every single one of us, we've got differences but we've got similarities. Notice their destination with me, if you will, in verse number one. <clears throat> the Bible says, now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer. They went to church. I don't know why some people ignore the temple. I don't know why, I, don't, I can't understand why some people feel like they don't need the house of God. Amen. Pentecost had been taking place. They had been set on fire. They had seen 3,000 people got saved. Amen. No man is right in his own eyes. We all got our own day ideas. But the Bible said when it come time for prayer time, they went up to the house of God. They didn't even say it was church time. They just said it was, it was prayer meeting time. This wasn't a sacrifice offering time. This was just prayer meeting time. Amen. They felt it was important. They had a common destination. They went to church. I'm glad what, what and matter of fact, like I say, like this church is a divine appointment. Amen. That's, in fact, the church is the place where grace is dispensed to the people of God. If we're not coming under the umbrella of grace, then we, it's no wonder the storm is tearing our life up. We have to come to church, the, the avenue of grace being dispensed to the people of God. You ever saw that text over there? And it, I believe it's in, uh, I know it's in the book of Hebrews, it's in another place in the book of Romans, but it talks about falling from the grace of God. What, what that is is falling back. And God dispenses grace to the people of God and moves them by grace through messages, through everything that he's feeding the church with. He takes grace and he dispenses it through the man of God to the people of God and it moves them steps closer to the Lord's will. Then when somebody comes that's missed those services, missed those times together, they're four or five, they've fallen back in pace. They, they've drawn back in pace. The church has went a few paces ahead, but they ain't caught up with them. Boy, I'm telling you, we got to have the church of the house. Thank God for the destination. They hadn't got complacent about going to church. They weren't competing against other, each other when they went to church. They were companions in their destination. They were companions in their harmony. The Bible says, notice, I'm, not, I'm just reading the text. Notice what the Bible says. Now, Peter and John went up together. They went up together. They were in harmony. Amen. Even though they had differences, they had, all, they had both been blood washed and set on fire by God. Amen. They went through the blood and the fire. Amen. They, they were warned. Matter of fact, they were warned against being divisive and warned against division. They had went up together. It ought to be a warning for every one of us. It ought to be encouragement for every one of us. If we want to see the wind of God blow and the fire of God fall, we want to see souls begin to be saved and God add to the church and a harmony come to the house of God, then we've got to come together. We come together. When two or three gather together, together in my name, there am I in the midst. We can't come apart. We've got to come together. Amen. You can't come together with somebody sitting at the house watching TV, watching church on TV. Amen. So their destination, their harmony. But then notice their look. Notice their, they didn't look down at people. Notice their look. The Bible says in verse number four, and Peter, verse three, who's seen Peter and John, that means somebody's looking at them. 
Verse number four, look where they're looking at Peter fashioning his eyes upon the crippled man, in other words, upon him, with John said, look on us. Their look. They, they were looking at this beautiful, this artsy, this, this great gate, this gate called beautiful. They, they were looking at this gate that scientists have studied this gate, the artistry and everything that went on about this gate. People come from miles just to see this gate. But they weren't looking at the, the art on the gate. They weren't interested in all the scientific procedures that people still try to figure out how they made that gate. They were fixed upon people who needed help for God. God help us to be looking at the helpless and looking for the hopeless. We've got what they need. We need to help somebody. They, they didn't try to kick this man with the down. The Bible says when he said, look on us, next, next thing he said, he lifted him up. God help us to lift up people. And we got what they need to lift them up. But we can't help it. We can't help them if we're not looking for the helpless. We can't help them if we're not looking to help those who can't help themselves. Notice their look. They fastened their eyes upon him. They weren't, they weren't fastened on the gate. They weren't fastened on the crowd. They were fastened on those who needed to be helped. God help us to be one of those kind of people that helped them. Notice their devotion. At the hour of prayer, the Bible said in verse number one. At the hour of prayer. This is right after Pentecost. Amen. They felt indebted. All that they'd experienced, all that they'd seen, all the power of God that they felt, they felt indebted to serve the Lord. And the more God blesses you, it shouldn't make you want to get lazy. It shouldn't make you want to recline or decline. It should make you want to shine. And you're going to shine by coming around the presence and the power of God. Hey man, they felt more in love with God. Isn't the scripture true when it says, He that's been forgiven much, loveth much? It doesn't take us long to realize we've got a right and, and a reason to serve God when we think about all that God's done for us, all the love that He's shed in us. Paul said it like this, it constrains me. That because I thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that we which live should not live unto ourselves, but unto him which died for us and rose again. He said the love of Christ constrains me. It compels me to want to do right. We see their devotion. Amen. They had a heart of devotion. We see their poverty. Here's what they said. It's, it's what the Bible says in verse number 6. Silver and gold have I none. They didn't say got a little. They said have I none. Silver and gold was the exchange of that day. The Bible said silver and gold have I none. These folks was broke. These are broke preachers right here. Bible said they have none. They didn't have real estate. They done, they done sold all the extra real estate they had. They didn't have bank cards or credit cards. They didn't have nothing they could pass out. They said, well, we, we ain't got silver and gold. Hey, silver and gold have I none. Oh, but they had something to give that old boy. He was holding out looking for something to be put in the cup. And he got something in his cup all right, but it wasn't silver and gold. They said, silver and gold have I none. But I do want you to notice what they had. They had power. Silver and gold have I none, verse number six, but such as I have, I got something, amen. Give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. They had power. They had heavenly unction. They had a heavenly touch. Amen. Hallelujah. That's what they needed. See, here, here's the problem. Here's the problem. When other folks saw the crippled man, they saw a blight on society. 
When the other folks walked by and saw that, somebody's just wanting some money. But when Peter and John saw him, it depended on what perspective. If you went over, I believe it is in John chapter number 6 and verse 1, and John chapter 6 and verse number 1, it, it'll tell you that the Sea of Galilee is also called the Sea of Tiberias. When you looked at it from comparing them from, from the Hebrew side, they called it the Sea of Galilee. From the Gentile colony, they called it Tiberias. Whichever way, wherever you were standing, you called it something different. When somebody looked at them, that man, they said, man, he's a blight on society. It ain't, he ain't worth, but that ain't how Peter and John saw him. They saw somebody who needed some help. It depends on where you're standing, and you can look at the same situation and see it differently. Man, we ought to see it. It's the Sea of Galilee. That's what Jesus walks on. Amen. If you looked at it from the, from the Gentile calling the Sea of Tiberias, that's where storms are. It depends on how you look at it. Storms is where Jesus walks, or you can look at it as a place of problem. Hey, that man's not a problem. He's a man who's in pain, who can see and experience the power of God. What we have is something that'll change this world and turn it upside down. Amen. These companions. But then number two, notice these, this crippled man in Verse number two, the Bible said he's a certain man. Boy, he's not just any man, he's a certain man. I, I like that in the scripture. Every time God makes it specific, he, it, it talks about a Levite walking by that man in the ditch in Luke chapter 10. Then it talks about a priest walking by on the other side. But then it said a certain Samaritan. Amen. I'm glad there's a certain Samaritan for every certain cripple. Amen. The Bible said this certain man in verse number two, lame from his mother's womb was carried. Here's a crippled man. He's lame from his mother's womb. He's lame not from a fall, not from an accident. He's lame from his mother. Mephibosheth was a man in the Old Testament. I believe it's ninth chapter of the book of Samuel. And Mephibosheth is a man who his nursemaid dropped. So he like, is a picture of the sinner. From the fall of Adam, we all are under the condemnation of sin. Mephibosheth is crippled because of a fall. That's a picture of a sinner. This man is also a picture of a sinner because he's crippled from the time he's born. We're born sinners, born in sin. Amen. And our life is full of affliction. This man right here is a lame man, not from a fall, not from an accident, but from birth. Amen. Every single one of us from the time we're born, hey, we're lame. We're on our, we're sinners. If we die as a young age, before the age of accountability, before the time we can understand our not discern between our left hand and our right hand, we can't tell what's good and what's evil, then we're going to, of course, go to heaven. But every single one of us, we got to get second born, got to get born again. We got to get born from above. Our first birth going to get us nothing but condemnation. But that second birth gets us out from under condemnation. This man is born and from his feet and ankle bones. Notice what happened in verse number seven. The Bible says this crippled man, this man, this man who's lame from his mother's the this man who's lame from birth, this man who couldn't help himself from birth, and when none of us could help ourselves. Notice what happened. The Bible said in verse number seven, and when they reached down, they took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. 
This is a man who had a birth defect. The core of the issue is the fact that he had an imperfect development. He was, in other words, there was a malformation in the way he was born. His bones and his muscles didn't link up. The Bible said his feet and his ankle bones receive strength. How many, hallelujah, when he, got, when he got touched, it was immediately. It was the location. It was at the gate of the temple, at the place where the kindest people go in. Not at the trade gate. Not down there at the dung gate. Not down there at the sheep gate. He's at the gate called beautiful. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. These beautiful things happen down there at that gate. Hallelujah. This beautiful gate is also a picture of the resurrected Christ. Amen. The, where was he at? He was down there where the people had the good attitude. Where the helpers were. He's laid down there utterly helpless. The Bible said he had to be carried down there. He didn't have a cane. He didn't have a crutch. He had to be carried down there. And the Bible says, amen, thank God his, his location was at the gate of the temple. His vocation, what he did for a job, the Bible said he was took down there to ask alms. That's the only thing he could do during the Passover, during the time of feast. Every nation, every nation had to come. No matter where they were in Jews, they had to come back to the temple at those certain times and daily he was down there. But notice, thank God, yes, he was crippled, but thank God for his cure. The Bible said it was instantaneous. They took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately, and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. And leaping up stood. He had never stood the whole time he was born. He had never stood. He had never took the first step. Amen. Hallelujah. His cure was immediate. He leaping. The Bible said leaping up stood and walked and entered into him. Y'all know that had to be supernatural. A person that's in a coma has to go through physical therapy because their muscles are not developed. This man had never walked. His muscles had never developed. He had a problem from a structure. Amen. From the time of his mother's womb. But when God supernaturally touched him, oh, hallelujah, he'd done things that he never done before. His cure was instantaneous. Amen. The, matter of fact, I love this. Bible said him leaping up stood. The Bible never says that the lame man leaned. The Bible never did say, amen, that he had to learn. The Bible never does say he had to limp. The Bible said he stood up and leaped. I mean, immediately, he did, God just didn't do a gradual thing. It was a complete change. He didn't lean. He didn't limp. He leaped, Brother Frank. Woo! I say, man, hallelujah. His cure was instantaneous. His cure was thorough. He walked and leaped. Amen. You know what the greatest possession on earth is? It's not wealth. It's health. You take a man that's wealthy, if he ain't got no health, if he's not healthy... He'd trade everything he got. Amen. Howard Hughes tried to give everything he had to the doctor to give him just a few more minutes to live. Couldn't do it. He went crazy in his old days. Long hair, long fingernails. Went wild. Man, satellites are still, satellite cables still named after him. He made that spruce goose, that biggest wooden airplane that couldn't even fly. All those things and all the inventions that he had, all the wealth that he had accumulated, he'd have traded in a minute for health. The greatest wealth we got, amen, in this world is health. Hallelujah. 
Thank God this man was thorough. God touched him. Verse number eight, he was leaping, amen, and walking and entered in the temple. What did he do when he got in there? Walking and leaping and praising God. It's as if he went from crippled to cartwheels. Amen. Hallelujah. He had gratitude. Notice, that the, notice what the Bible said in verse number 8. The Bible said, leaping, walking, leaping, and praising God. Then when we get to verse number 11, and as a lame man which was healed, hailed Peter and John. You remember what I said started at the beginning? At the end of this man's story, He's holding on to two preachers that helped him out. I wonder who we're holding on to. What what person helped us with the gospel? What person shared Jesus Christ with us? And then I wonder if Peter and John, if, if this was the last thing that we ever heard about Peter and John, that it ain't. But what if it was the last thing in their story, they would have went off the pages of the scripture with somebody that they'd helped through the name and power of Jesus Christ They shared the truth about Jesus, the power about Jesus. Amen. They fulfilled their purpose in this man's life about Jesus. This man's life was forever changed because of Jesus working through these two men. And he was holding on to them. I wonder who's going to be holding on to us. I wonder if anybody will hold on to us because of Jesus working through our life into their life. He had a heart of gratitude. Amen. I'll say it like this. If a man's religion... If a man's religion doesn't put instant thanksgiving in his heart and praise in his mouth, I don't know if he's got much at all. Hey, man, B.R. Lakin used to say it like this. He believed more revival should be praised up instead of prayed up. Hey, hey, man, he said, if you'll get excited about what Jesus did, it'll start revival in people's heart. And that's what happened. It got contagious on everybody that saw him leaping and walking and praising God and holding on to the preachers. It started affecting everybody. I'm telling you, you don't believe me? Look at number three, the crowd. The Bible said, and this is what verse number 9 says, all all the way back to verse number 9, and all the people saw him walking and praising God. Verse number 10 said, they knew that it was he which sat. The Bible goes on to say in verse number 10, they were, they, amen, and they were filled with wonder and amazement. Verse number 11, and all the people ran together unto them in the porch which is called Solomon. What were they doing? Greatly wondering. What were they doing? Verse 10, wonder and amazed. Their evidence, the evidence they they saw him. They knew him. Amen. Their excitement, they ran together. You know what will create excitement in other people? When they see us get excited. It'll, hey man, if they see us walking and leaping and praising God, it'll cause them to run to where we're at. If they see us holding on to things that are precious, men of God, hey man, delivering the sermon of God, preaching the scriptures of God, if they, if they see us, hey man, that'll make them want to get in on it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Bless his holy name. They saw some evidence. They had a recognition. They had an excitement that began. But notice they're ama- they were wondering amazed. I wonder if we stand wondering amazed. It'll make other people have wondering amazement. Amen. Watch what happened. Let's follow their example. See, this, these companions went up because it was time to go to church. 
these companions went and they went up. They weren't competitors. Amen. They weren't in competition. They weren't complacent. They went up to the destination that was time for them to go to church. They went up in harmony. They went up looking to help somebody along the way. They lifted somebody instead of looking down on somebody. They had a devotion in their heart. They went there on the hour of prayer. Even though they was poor, they didn't have any silver and gold, they went up to help some little old crippled one. Thank God for this cripple. He was utterly helpless. But somebody came by and talked about Jesus and helped them up. The power of the resurrected Christ. Jesus of Nazareth, in the name of Jesus, rise, take, amen, and walk. Amen. He just didn't rise up and walk. He leaped up. He never limped, never leaned, but he thanked God. He didn't have to learn how to walk. He leaped, didn't have to have physical therapy. Amen. He, he immediately received strength. Said, so, preacher, what can we do? Let's follow their example. Let's go up to the temple. Let's go up to the house of God. Let's, at the present time, let's be punctual at the hour of prayer. The blessings of yesterday shouldn't, hey, they didn't allow what happened at Pentecost. They didn't allow what happened in their prayer meeting when the God sent the wind and led the fire fall and set the church on fire. When souls started getting saved, God started sending. They didn't, they didn't get complacent and studying and praying every day. They still went up to the house of God. They could have said, well, we just studied the word of God yesterday. But every day, day by day, they were studying the word of God. Had a compassionate spirit. They continued in the things of God. They, they didn't let the blessings of yesterday cause them to neglect. Y'all stay with me right here. Thank you, Lord. They did not let the blessings of yesterday cause them to neglect the duties of today. We can't let the blessings of the services on Sunday get us so complacent that we neglect our duties for tomorrow. Amen. God's got manna today and God's got manna tomorrow. You ever think about it? That's why God says, Give us day by day. That's what Luke's gospel, his account says. Give us day by day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. And Matthew, Luke says, give us day by day. And if you gather too much manna, more, it'll get worms and die. You can only get today's bread today. You can't get yesterday's day bread. It's already gone. You can't get tomorrow's bread. It ain't baked yet. But tomorrow you can get tomorrow's bread. We got to get it day by day. Serving Christ is a day by day. Don't let the, bless, the blessings of one day cause you to neglect the duties of tomorrow. It's our duty. It's our duty to look to the lost, to look to the lame, to fasten our eyes upon them, to help them, to carry them to the temple, to get them to the house of God. Sinners look at us. They got to look at us. We don't have, may not have silver and gold. May cannot meet their physical tangible need, but we can talk about Jesus and give them his power. We can tell them in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Brother, that's what we got to do. We got to follow these companions' example. Let's all stand, heads bowed, and eyes closed. Father, we love you today.